Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. We'd like now to introduce Paul Robinson, who's the Chief Executive Officer of The Big Boss from Release International. Give him a warm Belfast welcome. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the organisers of um, Bangor Worldwide for inviting us to be with you tonight. Uh, my name's Paul Robinson, and it is my privilege to be introducing you to my dear friend and partner in the gospel, Mr. Peter Yashek. It's also my privilege to be the CEO of Release International, which is a UK-based Christian ministry serving persecuted Christians in more than 25 countries. In 1967, after being imprisoned for 14 years and tortured for Jesus Christ in communist Romania, Pastor Richard Vermbrandt came to the so-called free churches of the West with a very simple message. He said this, Our brothers and sisters, there alone, are waging the most courageous battle of faith, equal to the heroism, courage and dedication of the early church. Don't abandon them. Remember them. Responding to that message and inspired by the testimonies of Pastor Vermbrandt and his dear wife, Sabina, the Ministry of Release International began in 1968. Now in our 50th year, we continue to go to places where Christians suffer the most for Jesus Christ. Through prayer, pastoral ministry and practical help, and always through local Christian believers, we serve persecuted Christians, giving them the tools they need to live as disciples for Jesus Christ right where they are. At the same time, we do all we can here in the UK to raise the voice of persecuted Christians so that you all and I might use our freedom to serve them together, learning lessons of true Christian discipleship with each other. Don't abandon them, remember them, was Pastor Vermbrandt's clarion call to all of us. That call remains as important today for us to hear as it was when he spoke it more than 50 years ago. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3, God speaks to us by saying, remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. It's the desire of Release International to help you respond to that call and if you don't already receive our quarterly magazine, please go to the exhibition area later and subscribe to it so that together we can stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters all around the world. And while you're in the exhibition area, we'd also appreciate it if you'd consider signing our petition, which will be sent to the Chinese government, expressing our deep concern at the growing and sustained campaign of repression being waged against Christians in a number of Chinese provinces. Richard and Sabina Vermbrandt's imprisonment for Jesus was more than 50 years ago. For Petr Jacek, that experience was a reality very recently. While serving persecuted Christians in Sudan, 
Petter was arrested and charged with fictitious crimes, some of them carrying the death penalty. He was given a life sentence, but after 445 days in prison, he was released, and praise God, he's with us here today. We're about to hear Petter speak. Yes, thank you. Glory to God. We're about to hear Petter speak, but before he takes to this platform, he'd like us to watch a short video. Thank you, everyone. Arrested during a trip to Sudan, missionary Peter Yashik was imprisoned with members of ISIS. One of the, the, the ISIS members was a Libyan guy who, at the age of 12, was a personal guard of Osama bin Laden in Tora Bora. And later on, when he returned to Libya, he was one of the uh, murderers who slaughtered the 20 Egyptians uh, on the uh, Egyptian, uh, Libyan shore. He told me that if I was an American or a Russian, that he would uh, bro uh, break my neck uh, immediately and kill me. He took out a fishing string, uh, quite a strong fishing string from his pocket, and he was showing how he can kill a person within a few seconds with this fishing string. Peter discovered his other cellmates were just as extreme. When asked to share news from the outside, he told them about the Paris terrorist attack. When I said that 129 people got killed, uh, they interrupted me and they started to shout Allahu Akbar for several minutes. So immediately I, I knew that uh, the company that I was in and I stopped telling them any more news. They called me a filthy pig or or a filthy rat, uh, and if I did not react to this new name, they started to beat me with, uh, with slapping my face or uh, fist to my face, or then they used the wooden stick. So I uh, gradually, I learned to live with the new, new name. I was not Peter anymore, I was just filthy pig. How did it come to this? Why was this man dedicated to helping persecuted Christians now himself persecuted? Peter's arrest came in December 2015, just two years after the Sudanese government thought it had expelled all foreign Christian workers from the country. While visiting Sudan, Peter met with Christian leaders and recorded some video. Agents confiscated his equipment and charged him with spying against the government. During his first four months in jail, Peter asked God to return him to his family. His epiphany came after he led some Eritrean prisoners to Christ. And I suddenly started to realize that there is a purpose, that the Lord has a purpose for me to be in prison, to share the gospel with those people. And I started to be even more courageous uh, to open uh, my mouth and share the gospel also with the Muslims who were in, in, the, in the previous cell with me. In January 2017, a Sudanese court sentenced Peter to 20 years in prison. His work helping persecuted Christians in Sudan was considered an anti-state activity, espionage. I really uh, was considered to be a very dangerous person. And they mentioned like that I am an employee of the uh, spy organization called VOM. So actually VOM it was a spy, yeah, it's a spy organization. Not a missionary. No, it's a mission a organization. Yeah, yeah. The son of a pastor, Peter had experienced persecution before, growing up in communist Czechoslovakia. A wire service bulletin flashes the word to an unbelieving world. 
Christian oppression intensified in Czechoslovakia after Red Army tanks rolled through Prague in August 1968. Government agents constantly monitored Peter's parents and their Christian activities. They knew that we were receiving Bibles and uh, we were receiving Christian literature and we were also distributing, my parents were distributing that. One day, Peter returned home from school and found his parents missing. They were arrested by secret police and interrogated. And apparently the government, the secret police wanted to know what uh, was going on uh, in our house. And 36 years later, like his parents, Peter was arrested for his Christian activities. Only this time at the hands of Islamists, not communists. But God prepared Peter for his prison experience years earlier, when his father gave him a special gift. Without saying much, he brought the book written by Richard Wurmbrandt. Uh, uh, the name of the book in German was In Gottes Untergrund, which means in God's underground in English. And I was fluent in German at that time already. So he gave me this book and he said, read this book. It will encourage your faith. Peter's father passed at the age of 89 while Peter was in prison. And what do you think, Peter, he would, he would say to you about your time in prison and what you went through if he were still around now and he knew about it? All the details. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure that he would be proud of me. I'm quite sure, yeah. Peter was freed after spending 14 months in prison. He credits the Czech government for negotiating his release and the prayers and support of Christians around the world. Nearly half a million people signed a petition for him and thousands sent encouraging cards and letters. Peter says he was brought to tears when he heard some Sudanese women near the prison singing Christian praise songs. How did your experience change you? How is Peter Yashik different now compared to before your prison experience? When you come through this situation, you realize uh, that everything that you have is a grace of God. And it is uh, on his strength that it is in prison. It is not your own strength that you can survive. Being humble and being faithful till the last moment, this is... Uh, the moment when we can be more than conquerors when we go through difficult situation because of our faith in Jesus Christ. A humble servant of the persecuted church, persecuted himself, and then freed from prison. Grateful for those who prayed and for learning to wait patiently on God for victory and grace. Good evening, my dear brothers uh, and sisters. Uh, it's a great honor and privilege for me to stand uh, in front of you here tonight as a living proof uh, that the Lord has answered many of your prayers. Uh, uh, when you prayed for me, my family, my Sudanese uh, fellow prisoners and their families. Uh, you know, this, uh, uh, having experienced the communist persecution in my own life, uh, uh, I have always felt it as a great privilege that I uh, am now able to serve the persecuted Christians. Uh, once we were served by courageous Christians from UK, from Holland, from Germany, from United States and many other countries. And uh, uh, since we were set free from the communism in uh, November 1989, 
I can now serve others, and I can often remind them that, that we have been set free. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to uh, meet many courageous believers in my work for the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, which is the sister mission of Release International. Uh, I've been uh, privileged uh, to uh, meet courageous Christians who not only lost uh, their material things, their jobs, their houses, their cars, motorbikes, or anything with their inheritance. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to meet courageous believers who have also lost their beloved ones. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Lord also allowed me to meet courageous believers who have lost parts of their bodies because they didn't want to renounce their Christian faith. We all know that Muslims are killing Christians, but often they follow Muhammad's uh, instruction, which is uh, recorded in the book of Hadith, which is supposed to be like his statement, uh, that in order to intimidate the Christians, they're supposed to cut off their left arm and right leg. And I can tell you that I had the privilege to interview several Christians who were missing either both or one of these two parts of their bodies. And they were always, uh, the meeting with them was always very encouraging. You know, in fact, it was a mutual encouragement because the fact that someone came to listen to them, listen to their stories of persecution, they were extremely encouraged. And at the same time, we were encouraged listening to their stories. And uh, so this was a, a tremendous privilege to serve, and it is still a, a great privilege for me to serve the persecuted Christians. In fact, I had no idea that I will meet uh, Brother Umar Mulinde, who spoke already at your convention, and uh, we just met here. We uh, have known each other for years, and I visited him in uh, Uganda when he got uh, seriously attacked. And it was a wonderful meeting today. We are a large family, and I would like to thank you all for your prayers, uh, because the prayers were across the whole Christian community. Uh, prayers coming from various uh, Christian NGOs who are helping persecuted church, whether it is Release International, Voice of the Martyrs, Open Oath, Barnabas Fund, and many others. It was so wonderful to see, and we got to know about the activities of many Christians uh, and their prayers. In fact, you know, we were so encouraged that uh, there was a petition under which there was more than 420,000 signatures. We knew that the Lord was in control and he was holding the keys of our cells, but to know the activities of Christians was really encouraging. And, uh, uh, you know, the Lord also, after encouraging many other Christians by sharing testimonies of other courageous believers and encouraging them with uh, Paul's words from 2 Timothy 3.12, that everyone who wants to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So I was encouraging others. You know, how often do we hear a different gospel today? We hear that everyone who wants to uh, live uh, in, be a Christian should be healthy, wealthy, happy, everything should be all right, and if possible, right now. But, uh, you know, when I was uh, in prison, I have realized that uh, we have a different gospel written in Scripture. And the Lord has allowed me also not only to serve the persecuted church, but also to be with them 
in the place uh, where they are persecuted. Uh, I spent 445 days instead of, you know, just my plan was to go for four days trip to Sudan just to document the persecution of another brother who was injured in a very similar way like our brother Omar. And I also wanted to document uh, the demolition of church buildings of those courageous Christians who are following Christ's great commission to preach the gospel to everybody. It means also to the Muslim majority people in their country. And the Lord allowed me to be with them. It was not easy. You know, I don't have time to go into details, but uh, uh, spending two months with the Islamists who were uh, really very uh, angry with me as a Christian, very aggressive, and uh, from uh, limiting my freedoms, uh, they started to slander me, and later on they started to beat and torture me. And eventually they wanted to do the waterboarding on me, but the Lord has rescued me in a miraculous way from their cell. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to really reach the limits of my physical and emotional strength. And uh, I could uh, really understand what Paul says in 2 Timothy 12:10 when he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And uh, it is a real privilege to experience this strength that we have in Christ Jesus when we are really reaching the limits of our physical and emotional strengths. But, you know, when we look into the scripture, and that was uh, part of my uh, persecution theology that I gradually uh, continued to build up when I was meeting courageous Christians, uh, you know, the, we read that the Lord Jesus has already prepared his disciples that they will be brought before religious as well as secular authorities because of his name. And he told them that this will be your opportunity to bear witness. So in one sense, the persecution uh, was, uh, uh, we were told by the Lord Jesus that we should expect that. And he said in John 15 uh, that, uh, you know, the reason why we Christians are persecuted is because the world doesn't uh, know uh, the, the one that, who sent Jesus, the Lord Jesus. They don't know the Father. And they hate Christians because the Christians are not of this world. And uh, uh, so this is a wonderful uh, opportunity also to, uh, to bear witness. And, you know, I have come through a, a very interesting uh, period of my life. I had uh, five months uh, uh, that I was without Bible, and I, my prayer life has deepened a lot, you know. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, I spent almost four months in solitary confinement, and uh, uh, I was walking around the cell, and I, you know, when you are in prison, you don't have very much to do. So I also one day I cal calculated how, uh, what a distance I could walk, walking the whole day from sometimes maybe 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. And I calculated that I could easily do 15 miles a day. But I was praying the whole time. And later on, uh, after five months being in prison, I got my Bible, and I was in solitary confinement. I have this Bible with me, and I had the privilege to be, you know, in solitary confinement for three months and not 
I didn't have to do anything else than just read my Bible. I was so thirsty that I read the Bible by standing at the prison, uh, at the prison cell window and could read only from 8 a.m. till maybe 4.30, 5 p.m. when there was enough light. I read the Bible within three weeks from Genesis to Revelation. And I continued to read it all over again. And I was so encouraged personally and uh, later on, I, at first it was secretly because I was not allowed to have a pen. Uh, I only had papers like letters from my family. So I started to write uh, the devotions that the Lord uh, opened, how the Lord opened the scripture to me. And I was always wondering, why do I have this wonderful possibility uh, to, to have this uh, time? Even though the conditions were hard, the food was really bad, and they, we were allowed only to go to the toilet twice a day, one time in the morning and one time in the evening. That was it. We had to train our bodies. But the joy and the explanation, why did I have this wonderful opportunity, came three months later. After eight months being already in prison, eventually our court case started. And as you heard, we were facing death penalty. And the court case lasted six months. And at the end of the six months, you know, I was sentenced uh, with life imprisonment, which in Sudan means 20 years. But when the court case started, uh, we have to be transferred to a different prison. And I lost the comfort of uh, my uh, solitary confinement because that was the time when I first, for the first time, could express myself out loud, to pray out loud and to sing out loud. And then we were transferred to a very huge prison in Al-Huda, in the desert, two hours drive from the center of Khartoum, where we were put, uh, you know, this capacity of the prison is 10,000 prisoners, real criminals, murderers, rapists, drug dealers, thieves. And we were put into a cell with 100 other prisoners. They were fighting each night, people getting injured, sometimes even killed. But, you know, this huge prison, was the first prison where even the Muslims were allowed to have their mosques. And each section, which is roughly uh, 400 prisoners, four cells, each 100 prisoners, they always must have their own mosque. So there were many mosques in this prison. And, uh, you know, I have memorized, I could be a, work as a muezzin or even imam just by memorizing it, by hearing it five times a day for 445 days but also for the non-Muslim prisoners, the prison authority has, have turned one of these cells into a small chapel. And on the first day, brothers came, uh, elders from this uh, uh, prison chapel, and they invited us, and they said, Here is a, there is a chapel here, come and uh, visit us. So we came, and they called me in the front, and the brothers who were with me, the Sudanese pastors, they knew I had this privilege to have Bible for three months in my solitary confinement. So uh, when they asked us to preach, they told me, you preach, you had the Bible. And so I preached and I continued to preach in this prison chapel for six months. A wonderful prison ministry. Place where normally people would have very uh, many difficulties to enter. I was able to preach to the lost absolutely hopeless and desperate people and to see how they were able to find Christ and that seeing their lives being transformed. A wonderful ministry. And you know, so uh, often uh, we can ask, and I hear this question, how should we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters? And Paul is uh, writing it uh, 
very clearly in Ephesians 6, uh, uh, verses uh, uh, 18 uh, to 20. I will read it, and this is a perfect uh, instruction how we should pray for the persecuted. Paul is encouraging the Ephesian Christians that they should be praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, so that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus was telling. He said, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. So please pray for the persecuted Christians, especially those who are in prison, that the Lord will give them the wonderful opportunity to bear witness and to share Christ with their fellow prisoners. But even though I have experienced a lot of um, beatings and torture from the Islamists, uh, the Lord also showed me the moments when they were crying to God and having tears in their eyes at night when they could not sleep. So I started to see them as the lost souls and not just uh, persecutors. And I think this is the wonderful thing that the Lord also told us in Luke 6:27 that we should be also praying uh, for the persecutors. And let me just read this verse because this is really interesting. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. The Lord gave me the strength to be in prison when they were slapping my face to turn the other one. It is not my nat uh, nature. I would always try to defend myself. But the Holy Spirit gave me this wonderful uh, opportunity to testimony. So this is so clear message, you know, to love, to do good, to bless, and to pray for those persecutors. And I keep praying for those who are with me in the same cell, that the Lord would reveal himself to them as the Lord, uh, Savior, and God. You know, we have many, I have met personally several uh, Christians, uh, Muslim background believers, who were originally the persecutors of church, like Saul turned into a Paul. I met two Egyptians who were Muslim Brotherhood members, who were killing Christians and raping Christian women. But the Lord revealed himself to them as a Lord, Savior, and God. So please pray for the persecutors as well. And when you will pray, I believe that the Lord will show you what else you can do to help our persecuted brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless you all. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.